thanks so much for doing this, Hugh. First of all, for taking the time thanks. and getting me over here and be part of this little video series. And just for starters, could you just say your name and the instrument you play? Yeah, I'm Hugh Buckley and I play guitar. <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> so you get that out of the way. The thing this series is about is portraying and promoting different uh, jazz guitarists in and around Dublin. And it's just like a little, little insight for people who are interested in that to get to know the person and mostly their playing and their musical approach to, to the whole thing. So the first question I always ask in those little interview segments is like, where would you put your own playing? Like if you had a stream of history of jazz guitar from the 1920s or 1910s till now, where would you kind of put yourself in there? Where, oh, yeah. Where is your influence? That's a tricky one really in one way. I mean, my influences would be, like originally would it be, um, I suppose, Joe Pass. He was the first guy I kind of heard, like, like jazz guitarist, really, that, that I would have heard. So him and then um, yeah, George Benson after that then. Um, and then Wes Montgomery and Jim Hall, I suppose they'd be sort of the four guys sort of where I'm coming out of, definitely. You know, they would be the guys I probably have listened to most, maybe. Yeah. So I suppose, yeah. But um, as regards my own thing, then out of that, um, I've been playing my own music for a long time, too, with bands. So I think it's developed out of those particular styles. I mean, it still is very, I suppose, coming out of the bebop thing, but I would like to think there's a bit of my own thing there at this stage. Like, you know, you know, um, I do listen to, you know, a lot of contemporary players too, you know, obviously, um, you know, I'm very in touch with what's going on, say, now at the moment in, in the world, like, in jazz guitar and, you know, jazz in general, all right? So, so I'll be in touch with that. So, so I'd like to think it's, it's kind of contemporary, but rooted in the, in the tradition, you know? And maybe a little bit of a personal thing there. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> That's a very good answer. That's but good. only I hear that. Nobody else hears that, you know. <laughs> but anyway, that's the way. <laughs> yeah. Did you have, when you speak about those, that's obviously like like the, the somewhat the godfathers of jazz guitar, like yeah. Benson, Joe Pass, mm. Jamal. Do you ever have a, a period in studying the guitar where you really try to emulate a certain thing? Like where you really try to sound like George Benson or Jim Hall? Um... Well, there was one little period, actually, I remember, um, where Grant Green, actually, I was into Grant Green, and I was listening to a lot of his stuff, like, over a period. It, it wasn't really my intention to play like him, but I remember going out in gigs and playing, uh, lots of people commenting, oh, Grant Green. So as soon as they started saying that, I stopped it then, like, you know. But yeah, um, I suppose I listened to a lot of him, and you get that phrasing, you know, that beautiful phrasing he has, and it's really grounded, and it's really, you know... You're trying to replicate that beautiful tone as well. I was playing my my Gibson at the time, actually, my uh, of a Gibson L4 that I that I played for a long time, and at the time is yeah, yeah, trying to get that sound, that beautiful sound he gets. But um, I think that's probably the only time when I was trying to, or not consciously emulating somebody, but but probably was emulating a particular sound, you know. Mm. But I also think, I mean, if you listen to someone like Wes Montgomery, like you can't, there's no getting away from that too, you know. And I remember a few reviews I got in the beginning, you know, when I was out playing and maybe doing a bit of recording. And um, I think most reviewers mentioned Wes Montgomery and the thing, so I stopped listening to Wes as well, you know, because, uh, you know, it's very easy to drop into the play the octave thing and then play a chord solo after that as well. I, I think probably, you probably was doing a lot of that at the time. So I suppose that is emulating a style as well, really, maybe not consciously, but, you know, yeah, so... I don't know what that answers the question, but... <laughs> no, that's perfect. That's, that's great. When we just think about that, uh, the early days, what, 
what made you start playing the guitar, maybe first of all, before we even delve into jazz? Yeah, guitar. Um, well, I was always into music. Um, I come from a musical family. There was always music around the house. My sisters, they played piano, and there was a piano there all the time. Uh, there wasn't any stringed instruments really. Oh, there was a bass. My dad played bass, actually. Of course, there was a stringed instrument. My dad plays bass. Um, there was an electric bass. I remember he had an acoustic bass early on, but I don't know what happened that that went missing. I kind of avoided playing until I was about 16. I think I was 16, going on 17. And um, um, a few of my friends were playing uh, the guitar, actually, you know, which was the thing. I suppose at the time that was seventies too. So all the all the guys, Eric Clapton, and all those guys were playing all that. So so it was kind of the thing to do. And uh, if I was going to go into music, the the guitar was the instrument I liked. You know, I liked the sound of it, I suppose, and I liked the look of it. And uh, so so I bought a guitar from a friend for thirty pounds at the time. I remember a guitar and an amp for thirty pounds. Wow. Actually, yeah, <laughs> Kevin McConnell. Actually, he was a very good friend of mine. He was playing. And, uh, and we formed a little band and played in the garage every every night. My dad's garage, you know, at home. And That's great. Went on from there. Yeah, yeah, it was great. I was lucky uh, straight off to have a couple of guys who wanted to play, actually. You know, that was a great thing immediately. Like, as soon as I got a guitar, I had a few guys to play with, you know. I mean, I couldn't really play, but we were trying to write songs with, you know, you know two chords and things like that. And, yeah. Yeah, my cousin played a bit of drums. Well, well, he was beginning to play drums, so he got a, like a, like a tin can and got a pair of drumsticks and started playing. I mean, that was the first week of the playing, you know. So, so it built from there and we, we got going eventually and started getting a few gigs then. And, and that was, uh, that's how I got started actually playing, you know. So, so it was late enough, I suppose, 16 going on 17 to just start playing. That's, that's a really great story. Uh, <laughs> what, so when you, you mentioned that Clapton in the 70s, obviously a very guitar-driven decade. Yes, in, yeah, exactly. In terms of rock music or, or everything, fusion as yeah, well, funk. Yeah. When did the transition to jazz happen for you? Yeah. Well, I think, um, as I say, like, originally I would have been listening to people, uh, I suppose, like Clapton and that, and uh, I liked Carlos Santana and Focus, a band called Focus with Jan Ackerman on guitar, you, you, you know, groups like that, uh, which had, you know, uh, the guitar was probably the lead or the main instrument in them. And, uh, I get into that, but I, I was always interested in harmony, you know, groups with, or music with, you know, had nice chord sequences as well. I think I got that from my dad. He loved the harmony. He was always pointing out, oh, listen to this chord here and that, you know. So um, I began listening to stuff like that. Steely Dan would have been one, uh, you know, band I get into them. You know, got the Asia album, I remember. And that got me sort of, you know, that's, yeah. you know, certainly jazz influenced, you know. So, so I was listening to that. And um, and then one night on TV on RTE, which is unusual, uh, you wouldn't you wouldn't get it now probably. There was uh, a Joe Pass in concert, solo concert, you know. And this really knocked me out now when I saw this guy, you know, like um, one guy, you know, sounded like an orchestra on guitar. You know, he had the melody and the harmony and the bass lines going and the rhythm or, or, or sounded like rhythm. I was just merciful and I was just really wow, you know. I said I'd love to get a bit of that, you know, and uh, so that really got me into it. Then you know, I started listening and start looking at extending the chords a bit, you know, a few little ninths and thirteenths and things like that, and trying to get that sound, you know. Yeah. So yeah, then uh, then my uncle, uh, Dick, who was Richie and uh, Michael's dad, he was playing around town every week. He had this gig in town in, in Parliament Street, 
uh, with Tommy Halfordy, uh, Ronan Kilfoyle and Peter Ainscoff. I think I think that was the band. And um, I started going every week. And um, and after the gig, you know, I'd pick a tune that uh, they played, and I asked my uncle to write out the chords. You know, um, I remember he wrote a, um, of course, the wave. I learned that, you know, because I liked them. You know, it was a very melodic melody, you know. So I got working at that. Now, I'm not saying I played it straight away. <laughs> yeah, I didn't actually. But but it was really interesting, you know. I was trying to find out, you know, you know what a diminished chord was and things like that, you know. And, and uh, so so from there on, you know, you know, I get into it and began to get a, a few tunes together. And then I got to sit in, maybe play a tune. And that was terrifying at the time. I don't know what it was like for yourself playing, <laughs> sitting in with a band or something for the first time. But I remember probably lost a bit of stone and weight and uh, <laughs> but it was a great experience because each time you do that you go back home and say oh god I need to get this I need to get my rhythm I need to get my time together like you know and I find that's one of the th that's probably the main you know thing that people find difficult actually uh, making a transition maybe from pop or rock music like because a lot of people you do that I think you said you do that too also yeah um it's the time thing isn't it like you know you know it's really it's difficult you know and, but there's a lot of syncopated stuff going on around you and you know to be actually you know to hold down or, or play a solo in in time actually so that's a difficult one so i had to get the metronome out and that introduced me to that aspect of the yeah. of musicality and all that stuff so yeah yeah so from there on you know got playing and then eventually got my own gig in town a few years later and went off from there i suppose yeah <laughs> we talked about on, on the drive up here in the car about about dublin in general and how how it is changing over the years Sure. Um, yeah. Just to to cop onto what you just said there, how was in terms of jazz and music? How was it when you started? Like you mentioned that that regular gig your uncle had, but yeah. was it was it around town or in Ireland? Was there was there jazz much to be seen and heard? Well, Dublin uh, or in Dublin, there was a lot of gigs on. Uh, there was this uh, like the Sunday jazz thing was really big. You know the Sunday brunch and the Sunday afternoon gigs and Sunday night gigs actually. Um, they were all over town at, at that stage. This would have been, I suppose, this was around the eighties, mid eighties or something. Yeah, there was a lot of, lot of gigs. Um, you know, a lot of it would have been old, you know, Dixieland, mainstream stuff and all that. Um, but it was great. You, you could go around on Sunday. You could start at half twelve in the day, and you know, if you're going to listen to a gig, and you could go on until midnight at night. You know, and I remember at one stage I did have four regular gigs on a Sunday. <laughs> For a while, actually, yeah, I can't remember what that, but it was definitely around mid eighties. Like I had a lunchtime gig and early afternoon, late afternoon, then a nighttime gig, actually, and that was great because it was it meant you were playing, you know, yeah. and we were playing with a lot of different people and playing lots of different tunes, and um, I was playing with a lot of the older guys too. Well, obviously they would have been older, older than me then, um, I suppose because. Um, yeah, well, not obviously. Why would it be obvious? <laughs> but um, yeah, I played with a lot of older guys who were playing, you know, the old standard tunes, you know, in Sweet Georgia Brown and all that stuff. So, so I had to try and learn those tunes as well. And, you know, a lot of them were learned on the bandstands, you know. So it's the real old school sort of stuff, you know, which, which kind of doesn't exist anymore, really, you know. You know, I think today a lot of people are doing, uh, are playing their own music, like original music. So it's, it's harder to sit in with people in a way, isn't it? You know, after doing that, you know. But yeah, yeah, there was a lot of gigs around town and then there'd be a few gigs during the week. Of course, I suppose the main thing for me actually at the time was Louis Stewart was here. And for anyone who was into jazz guitar, playing jazz guitar, like 
he, you know, obviously he was the main man. And um, it was possible to see him every week, you know, to go see Louis every week. He had a few different residencies around the place. I remember one in Slattery's in, in uh, Cable Street. And he had one in uh, opposite the Rotunda Hospital in Parnell Street there. Um, can't remember the name of the place, but that was the out there. And then he played in JJ's. He had a Monday night residency there for years. Uh, with my cousin Richie on, on saxophone with him as well. Um, so that being able to go hear Louis Stewart every week, like just uh, like a world-class musician playing um, and, and to watch him play and then to be able to chat with him afterwards and all that stuff was just was just fantastic, you know, really. Uh, and that was a huge benefit, you know, because uh, it would really inspire you to go home and practice and, you know, motivate you to do that, you know. So... Um, at that time, when I heard him, I suppose it would be late 70s, early 80s, um, he was sounding a bit like Pat Martino. I think he was into a phase, Pat Martino phase himself, started going through <laughs> that. He was, he was really boring it up, you know, ripping it up. But of course, he had his own own thing too. He has a, I'm sure you're, you're familiar with Louis, uh, you know, playing, you know, he has a way of phrasing a melody and, you know, and, and uh, yeah, I mean, he would have been a huge influence as regards, you know, being into hearing music. Yeah live music regularly you know would it be fair to say that that's kind of sums up your education learning part on the guitar like learning on the bandstand watching Louis Stewart sitting yeah. in with bands instead of or did you ever receive formal lessons or anything like that no um yeah I'm self-taught really I suppose I went to Tommy Halfley for for a few lessons I remember and he showed me a few chords actually you know a few of those extended chords and uh we'd play some tunes and we'd listen you know we had some really good listening sessions. So that would have been the only sort of, you know, formal sort of, if you call it formal, like, you know, it was, uh, and that was great, that was great as well, because uh, Tommy would have been another guy around I went to here, as I say, he was he was playing with my uncle uh, at the time. Uh, and, um, no, but beyond that, it was just like listening to records and, you know, trying to transcribe a little bit and, you know, you know, taking phrases here and there, and then going home after the gig and trying to learn that tune that I made a mess of earlier on in the evening, you know, <laughs> trying to find out what the melody is and what the harmony is. And I suppose one downside of that, actually, I learned a load of tunes where I know the harmony, but I didn't learn the melodies, you know, you know, because there was probably three or four horn players playing the melodies and you never got a look in them. So it's only in recent times, actually, some of those really standard tunes that I know I'm learning the melodies and trying to actually <laughs> learn the tune, actually really know the tune, you know. But um, no, no, I mean, that was great uh, schooling. You know, getting the, there's nothing like playing, you know, going out and playing. Okay, you have to do your practice and your study, but like playing is, the, is where it's at really, isn't it? You know, you know, you learn so much, you know, about every aspect of it, and, you know, about listening, you know, so. Just the listening aspect of you said, records yeah. and transcribing. Do you have any kind of uh, really important personal record for yourself that you listen, you know, like... Some people it's the kind of blue, or for some people it's a specific Joe Pass one, maybe the Virtuoso. A favorite record, yeah, yeah. Well, Virtuoso was the first album I heard. Actually, one of the Virtuoso. I can't think which one. It's the one that has all the things you are on it, and uh, I think Round Midnight is it that one. The song is you. I think mm. that one actually, yeah, yeah. That would have been one I heard early on, so it would uh, mean a lot to me. I suppose one that most people sort of mention is Smoking at the Half Note. You know that one. The, that's the West Punk cover. So many, many people mentioned that, and it becomes a, it's like a cliche to say it, but it's such a great record, you know, it's such a great player, and also um, it's a great example of the piano and guitar as well. You know how to play, 
with a piano as well because you know you know we tend to do that a lot as well so it's uh yeah that's a great album you know just bring us back a little bit to i'm personally really interested and i think a lot of people who watch those videos are well there's some older guys but i think from from what i've seen there's a lot of young guitar players who watch those videos and um through colleges like new park also like myself people from other countries who don't know much about dublin let's say in the 80s or in the 90s um, as a music scene so just maybe let us walk through your musical journey was it did you set out i'm gonna be a professional guitar player and i'm gonna do this and did you have a plan or or some guidance or did you just whatever happens happens yeah well kind of evolved over a period you know um i was doing like various jobs uh outside of music you know you know for a while and uh yeah people were saying to me oh you should go and do music you know because i think it, most of the time when i'll be doing these jobs i'll be listening to music or <laughs> Or photocopying, you know, charts and stuff like that and stuff like that. So, so um, I probably wasn't suited to the other world actually, really. So, so, so eventually, actually, what happened? I had this job and I was made redundant actually, um, and that maybe you know think about it and uh, and I decided, yeah, you know, I'll give it a go actually. You know, play music and see how this goes. You know, you know, because at that time, you know, I didn't think you could make a living out of that. You know, you could make a career really. But was, but what was really inspiring actually was um, was Richie Bucky, my cousin. He was doing that at that stage before me. He, I think, when he was about seventeen, he was out on the road. He went to America. Actually, I think when he was about seventeen, if I'm correct, uh, went over for six months over there and he like playing music. You know, and I remember him coming back and. Just that wow, that's amazing! Like you know, that you could actually do that, you know, you know, because um, I think Ireland in those days, everybody was like parents would be trying to tell you to get a good steady job and you know, for life and all that sort of stuff, yeah. you know. I know things are very different now, but that's the way it was culturally then. Um, I think people are encouraged to do what they like now a lot of the time now, and or or at least you know go for something that you have a passion for, at least give it a go anyway, you know. So, but so I did, I did. I mean that. I I had no option right anyway. So that, but at the time I was playing, you know, I would have been playing a few nights a week anyway at that time. So I I started doing it. That was you know thirty years ago I think now. So um, yeah, so I, actually it worked out very well then. You know, I I began practicing a bit more, studying the music a bit more seriously then. Really, you know, um, you're working out some daily routines for practice. You know, make sure you you know. That you're focusing on certain things and getting things right, you know, and and then I was lucky then there to be playing some really good musicians like John Wadham was a drummer that was around you. I'm sure you've at least heard of John Wadham. Yeah, yeah. he was a fantastic drummer, you know, um, and he really knew the jazz music so well. You know, he'd really uh, he was a bit of an authority on the music, really. You know, so he was a great man uh, to work with, and every time I played with him, I think I learned something. You know. Yeah about swinging and like time feels and even chord changes you know he'd be at the, or, or melodies he'd know the melody he'd be at the point there that the third bar, bar there that's an F sharp not an F natural he was great at that a great man for pointing and stuff like that so you'd learn quickly you know and you'd make sure you know you had your act together the next time you played you know so so, so it was great and then and then I actually started getting a few calls I got a call from Louis Stewart then once to do a gig he had a duo gig and I mean that was amazing and 
uh, to get a call from him. Actually, that was really uh, nerve-wracking, but uh, it was great, you know. And it's a, you know, it's a, it's good boost as well. Like they had a call from someone like him, you know. And so, yeah, so I did, I did a number of gigs with him. And then, and then I got a call. He was setting up Louis Strip was starting up a, a five guitar band. This was about 1988, and uh, he gave me a call for it as well, you know. And um, yeah, the five guitars were. David O'Rourke, uh, who lives in New York, I don't know whether you know him. Mm-hmm. Um, Dave's a great player. Michael Nielsen, who we all know, who's a great player as well. And Bill Brady, uh, who was a guy who was um, a friend of Louis from way back, I think. And he was a very good reader. Is, uh, you know, that's, I think that's what they needed. And I wasn't a very good reader. Still not a very good reader. But um, yeah, yeah, so we, we rehearsed every Monday in town. I think we started doing a few gigs then. Uh, but the rehearsals were great, and a great learning thing as well. You know, you know all mm. all the five guys in the room and bringing in charts every week and sort of. Yeah, Louis wrote most of the charts, most of the arrangements, and the other guys wrote a few. At the time, I didn't have that skill. I was just really starting out. But then eventually, I was able to do bring something to the table as well. But um, yeah, that was great. That was a great experience. That five guitar thing, and we did the Cork Jazz Festival and a few things like that. You know, it was really good uh, learning experience. You know. That's amazing, all the history about kind of a little bit of the Dublin scene and what happened there. Yeah. Um, just going on from that, uh, you have a beautiful guitar right here. Yeah. Um, which I've seen you play in videos and on gigs. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about this specific guitar? Well, it's made by um, John Moriarty, who, who, who you know, and um, he's a great guitarist here in Dublin. And um, it's just a beautiful top guitar, just really lovely to play, easy to play. It's custom made, I suppose, really, for me. And uh, it's, um, I mean, the neck is just really a nice size for me. I have smallish hands, so the neck is just perfect for me. Lovely tone, nice acoustic sound, uh, you know. So it's, um, it is the guitar I play most. Um, yeah, funny about, I mean, ask me about, like, guitars, actually. Funny, I've never really been into the instrument, like, you know, I never really sort of, you know, thought about the instrument too much. I think initially, like, I just thought myself as a musician, really, you know, or, or someone who just was into music. And, yeah. and then, as I say, I happened to, you know, play guitar because a bunch of friends were playing guitar. And uh, it's only in recent years I got into the instrument <laughs> itself and started looking at the instrument. Because I remember I had the... I had a Gibson L4 for a long time, and people asked me about the like the tailpiece, and I was thinking, now what's the tailpiece? I presume that must be, <laughs> and this is recent enough, you know. So, so I never really sort of, you know, and I could be at a gig at a guitar player, you know, watching a guitar player, and the guy would ask me, yeah, what was he playing?" And I wouldn't know. I'd say, "It was a kind of a brown guitar." <laughs> so, so I'm sorry, I'm not great man to answer stuff like that, you know. But that's one humbucker pickup, I think, actually, yeah. Okay. The jumper on, and it's uh, it just has you know, volume and tone, you know, very simple, very simple make. But yeah, what's beautiful about that, that, it looks like a slim body there now, actually, mm-hmm. but you can see there's a nice belly on it there. See there, that? yeah, if you can see it there, can you? Yeah, yeah, that's a nice perfect. belly there. So, so it's actually a wider body than it actually looks, you know, from mm-hmm. the here. So, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm very happy with this. Um, it's great for chords, you know, too, it has great clarity up, you know, up the top of the neck as well, but I didn't really have uh. With the Gibson, even though I love the, we discussed this earlier. We're talking about the, I, it kind of had that you know vintage sound, you know. But uh, yeah, this one it just really suits what I do right now. Cool. I do play. Um, 
have a telecaster which I do play sometimes actually and I use a volume pedal <laughs> <laughs> yeah I haven't used pedals in a long time I did when I played rock music I used like pedals and stuff like that the, you know distortions and wobbles and all that you know but I haven't uh, I just haven't felt a need actually just you know from a sonic point of view mm -hmm. actually you know I just like what the guitar can do itself actually you know at this time you know so I keep it fairly simple as regards, you know, you know, fairly basic, you know. And even from a sonic point of view, when 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 you went to John and asked him to to build the guitar for you, was there anything you remember you said to him, like, you know, I I I wanted to sound more like this or more like a mix of two guitars you already had, or? Yeah, um, I think um, I did want to sort of a woody sort of sound, you know, if that's you know you know where you hear the wood sort of then. As opposed to like a pure electric sound, you know. So, so we did get that. Yeah, yeah, I didn't want that. And as I say, I wanted you know clarity on the neck. You know, be able to hear. You know, everything will be really clear. That's piercing there, but you know, be able to, you know, you know, be able to hear, be able to play chords up, up the top of the neck, which I said I wasn't able to do. So, so they were the only things I kind of said to him. You know, neck size. I, I like the neck on the on the Gibson. So I think this is the exact same neck as the Gibson I mean measurement wise anyway so uh, yeah that was about it you know they're just a good woody sound you know where where the other guitar is more electric really you know so this is kind of more like acoustic electric you know so that's yeah that's what it was after really yeah so the next thing on my list what I want to ask you about is the two little things like in your kind of personal involvement in the Dublin scene and in yeah. music one is like we talked about uh, the uh, in the car about it where maybe many people know you even outside of jazz would be the Dublin Guitar Night which yeah, was like yeah. uh, a sort of institution in Dublin for I remember when I came here in first year in college I seen loads of gigs and I got introduced to loads of different musicians and guitar players I, I it would have taken me way longer otherwise to spot them on other gigs and hear about them but just on this really? kind of yeah. regular thing where you see like three acts on a night I just got a lot of it out of it and I was just wondering, how did you come up with that, and how, mm. like, just a little bit of the history about sure. this project? Well, well, first of all, that's great that you said that because that was my intention with it. You know, first mm. of all, you know, to create sort of a bit of a network of, of guitar players, and you know, and get people to hear people play, and also, it was to try to encourage people to play some music that they like to play actually, because a lot of, a lot of guitar players are out doing, you know, playing music to make money. Um, and you know playing music that they might not necessarily enjoy or or you know particularly like so I um it was one of my hopes that you know you know people that were writing music at home and didn't have a chance to air it that they might it might be an opportunity there but um I think the idea came out of at the time the recession <laughs> um it, it really was and there was you know very little going on uh in Dublin for a year or two I remember like it, it was really at the height of the recession really and I just thought, I think it was probably just, you know, driving one day. I thought, you know, wouldn't it be great if we had an L, a little hub where we could all sort of meet up and chat and maybe, and you know. And then I thought, you know, I want to get a night where we play and, you know. So I just came up with the, the concept of having a few acts. Originally, for the, for the first year, I had four acts on a night, which worked very well. But the timing of it was difficult. And so I reduced that to three just to make it easier to... <laughs> You put together, but but that was great. So so um, I think overall there was over like one hundred players, like guitar players, actually, 
you know, played on the night, you know, from yeah. all different styles, you know, and, and, and you know, um, I tried each week to introduce someone new as well, you know, obviously all, all the established players, you know, all around the country, actually, it wasn't just Dublin, it was called Dublin Guitar Night, but there's people from all over the country, uh, you know, you know, played, and from abroad as well, you know, and, but, um, yeah, yeah, I tried to introduce some, maybe like a very good student of mine or, or something like that as well and on the scene or someone who just you know was really doing it and sounded good you know and um, it was about you know keeping quality there as well so you could hear you know you know good music and um it was good i kept the price at 10 euro as well which was great at the time <laughs> as well so so it, it was an amazing night because i mean some of the music there like you know just yeah. uh yeah and it was great and I really got to meet a lot of people who you would see who spoke on social media. Actually, met the people who knew each other from social media but never had never met each other. Mm. I heard that so many times in there. Oh yeah, that's you. I know you from <laughs> from Facebook or something like yeah. you know. So um, it did it did do what it was supposed to do. But um, unfortunately, at the end, JJ's closed down, and um, I just found it difficult in my head to sort of carry it on. But I might. I might have actually tried to get it going again because I think it was a very good thing. And, uh, so there's a, a glimpse of hope. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, somebody else could do it, I suppose. I mean, there are other ones like Galway has one as well, and, and that came out of my my own. And I, uh, I don't mind saying that, but um, and the guys are still going strong out there. I, they had one there last week, I think, and it's you know you know it's always very well attended. And there's a London one as well actually and um, there's a guy Chris Woods actually who came over and um, he's an acoustic like solo acoustic uh, player he came over and he played on the night and uh, he went back and set up a London one as well so so that's great so that's you know it's uh yeah so it was a very successful night and uh as I say it did it did do what it was supposed to do you know you know create some sort of a network of people and you know it would be nice possibly to get it going again <laughs> now that you mention it, you're right, yeah. Yeah. Like I, I'd love to um It's just getting a venue, like a venue, you know. Um yeah, JJ's yeah, Brian Smith uh down there was very supportive, you know, and he advertised it very well and you know, everything was in the house, you had your PA and you know and uh we had Spanner, a great doorman down there, Spanner, who was really supportive of the night, he really enjoyed the night and you know, he was a great man. There was a great team of people there just around us, so you know, to help out. So, uh, uh maybe, maybe you can find somewhere, but uh, yeah, yeah, it was a great event. Great, uh, thanks very much for that. It's, it's, it's great to hear. I, I actually, um, I, I was playing last night in Galway, uh, not last week in Galway, oh, right. and the, the oh, guys, right. great, the guys spoke really highly about like, like you, and they went actually up back in the day from. Galway to Dublin yeah. to see it. And, that's right. They used to travel every month. Yeah. yeah, and that's why, like, they were like, "Oh, we should be." We and should. and Kieran, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kieran and and, and the lovely guys and yeah, fantastic. Totally looking after us and love. Jimmy Smith was playing as well. Oh, great! Yeah. It was a great night, and it was they were just like it was amazing to see how it kind of spread from from kind of your yeah. idea or your yeah. thing here in Dublin yeah. to another place, and uh, so it would be great to have it here in Dublin. It back would, again. yeah. It just goes to show you just have to do things that you know. Don't think about them too much. Just do it, you know. You know, because you could easily just think, oh, I mean, that'd be a great idea, but you have to do it, actually. That's one thing I learned from that, you know, so mm. you definitely just do it and, and go with it. Yeah, so it lasted for over four years and every month, so it was, yeah. That's great event, great. all right. <laughs> all right, just to wrap things up at the end, um, you talked about at the start of this about how you hope, as much as everyone, to have 
something original in your playing or something of your no. own. Yeah. And and just to talk about your own music, I was listening to to a record called Sketches of Now. Oh yes, I think yeah. from yours, which is from two thousand and eight, mm-hmm. and I I really enjoyed it, and I was very surprised by it because I don't know for what reason. Maybe it's the guitar. Maybe it's a particular gig. I've seen you a couple of years back, but I had you in my mind very much in the traditionalist corner, which isn't a bad mm-hmm. thing at all. But when I listened to the record, it was very much like there was. It was very lyrical. It was kind of it was modern sounding. There was many different influences. It wasn't like a classic bebop record. Yeah, sure. There was like yeah, yeah. The, the first the first tune was great with a trumpet to play the main line. Um, there was like a tango influence on a different tune. Like it That's was right, it was yeah. kind of world music influences. Yeah. I'd say yeah. um, maybe just speak about your your approach when you write songs or what what you kind of want to achieve. Yeah. Well, actually, yeah, it's very simple and probably very <laughs> the answer to that. Um, what I try to get from my, uh, you know, for a set of music is a balanced set, you know, with different moods and colours and grooves and and that. So if I've already have a, a like a swing tune and a ballad and a waltz and all those uh, standard sort of thing, well, then I want, say, maybe a funk tune or or a tango or something like that, you know. So, um, so what I'll do, I'll go to listen to a bunch of stuff for a while and absorb that you know sort of thing and then maybe hopefully over over the period that you know I'll come up with some ideas and and it usually happened driving actually driving great after that you know where you sing a melody or something or or a rhythm or something and get that together so so eventually over a period of time you know I got a set that was a fairly balanced set had a lot of different things going on a lot of different grooves and as I say you know different sound colors going on and uh yeah, where where in the early days, I suppose most of the stuff I do is probably swing stuff and you know swinging, you know, in the tradition as you say. Um, yeah, yeah. So that's what I was saying. As as regards to style, I would like to think it's more contemporary than people might think. Yeah, as you say, you actually thought that as well. So that, yeah, that that uh, that's a funny, that's a popular misconception. <laughs> <laughs> but um, that's yeah. why we're here to yes, yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. So. Um, Thanks so much for doing this. Uh, it was very interesting. We got a lot of information. Uh, thanks for your time and picking me up. You're welcome. That. No, no problem. Um, just the last thing, um, if people want to see and hear you play, is, yeah. there, is there any regular thing at the moment or is there a band or people you work with in and around yeah. Dublin, Ireland? Well, I do have my own group. I have a group, um, there's a quartet. Um, it's with Phil Ware, Dominic Mullen and... Darren Bodwell, you know, I've been working with them for a while. Um, but you also have that group with strings, with, with a string quartet as well. That's the latest project over the last couple of years. Um, I somehow managed to get um, Yafikar Trench, who's a great arranger, uh, to write string arrangements for for the tunes. A lot of those tunes that you would have heard on that album, uh, Sketches of Now and a few different albums. So so that's a project we have ongoing um we're trying to do a few art center gigs and things like that so i don't have a regular gig at the moment um which probably would be a nice thing now mm-hmm. i had a regular gig at jj's for about 15 years you know you know where i set up that group with yeah. richie and miles and that miles Drennan and richie buckley um so i don't have a real gig at the moment but i have a website uh, hughbuckleymusic.com and there's a gigs page on there so anything that i'm doing i see is up there there's a few gigs coming Actually, I have a good few gigs over the next few weeks. There's a Holt Festival and there's a few things like that going on. So, yeah, yeah, a few different setups like duos, trios, quartet things going on. So you can check it out there. Actually, people want to hear some music, yeah, so. Cool. Some live music, yeah. <laughs> Perfect. I'm sure yeah. people love to. 
um, me definitely. Um, so thank you for your time. Um, now we're just going to play a tune and call it a day. Sounds good. Thanks. I was trying to think, geez, how does this go? And I was thinking, uh, sorry about that. Okay. <laughs> no, no, let's sorry. go. Don't worry at all. Yeah. Thank you.
Thank you.